Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Chicago-born Afro-Cuban artist Harmonia Rosales. She currently resides in Los Angeles. Harmonia is a classical painter depicting women and people of color assuming roles of power and beauty and exquisite imaginings of ancient myths, Afro-Cuban culture, and Renaissance paintings. Her artistic style are detailed renderings involving oil paint, raw linens, gold leaf, and wood panels. Her practice has been highlighted by Art News, The Boston Globe, Vogue, Culture Type, Forbes, The Getty, and NPR, to name a few. Her first major traveling museum exhibition, titled Master Narrative, opened at Spelman College Museum of Fine Art on Friday, August 18th of 2023, following its presentation at Memphis Brooks Museum of Art. The installation in this exhibition is Harmonia's first foray into sculpture and depicts her own version of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling stretched across the hull of an overturned slave ship that hovers above the viewer. Her past exhibitions include Garden of Eve at UTA Artist Space in Los Angeles, Entwined at the UC Santa Barbara Art, Design, and Architecture Museum, and Miseducation, Reclaiming Our Identity at Mokata Museum in Brooklyn. Enjoy this episode featuring Harmonia Rosales and visit CerebralWomen.com to read her expanded and very interesting bio. Harmonia, welcome to my podcast. I'm delighted to feature you. I'm so excited to be here speaking with you. Share with us, when did you realize that you were going to be a visual artist? Mm, I would say I was about 33 when I decided. I mean, I've always painted and I've always had a love for art and wanted to do it, but I was encouraged not to, being that it's very hard or it was said that it was being very hard to, you know, be an artist and live off your work. So it was at a point where it seemed like I was lost, where nothing really clicked. I was going against the grain um, in life, I felt. I felt like I was doing what I was told, you know, go to college and all these things. And it just wasn't, it wasn't making me happy for one, but also it was, it was just, it didn't feel right. So when I had a chance, it was a forced chance (laughs) 
to um, really start kind of fresh. And it was after a divorce. And I was really starting off with a blank slate. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that little voice in me and I'm going to paint and see where it goes. That's great. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, so if, if you didn't decide to become a visual artist to make the commitment, right? What career path would you have chosen? Ooh, it would have to be at that point, if it wasn't, if, if it didn't work out, probably on the path of trying to become a professor or working for like an illustrator for either Disney or something like that. Something interesting. <laughs> Was there a body of work or a particular painting or an artist that influenced you? Well, I have a handful of them, and they all influenced me at different points in my life. So at the very, very, very beginning was my mother. Um, she was always, like I would say, a constant. And she's retired now, but she was a children's book author, illustrator. And I just grew up with her consistently painting at her easel and she would literally make things she could take a person and put them on this canvas and I wanted to do that too and put them in different scenes and I had a big imagination so that's what I I was like drawn to then at a different point there was Norman Rockwell he had these caricature like um, figures and they were always in some scene where you can make up a story so there was that. <laughs> and then I fell in love with going to the museums and Michelangelo. And it was just so fascinating to see such detailed work and sculpture and that he can do these things. And then it was now coming into my own as an artist and, and being influenced by these amazing artists that also make a difference and make you think you got Kande Wiley, you've got Amy, you got Kara Walker. It's like they're just unapologetic and I love it. Did you ever lean towards abstraction? No. My mind like this is weird because I it's like my mind can't go that way. And I'm I admire people who can do abstract work so much. Um and I know the difference. And I could see the difference between somebody that really does abstract and one that just kind of throws it together. <laughs> you can kind of, you can see it, you can feel it. So it just never, I tried, but it just, it didn't quite work out for me. My brain wants to put things in order. How would you define your practice? Hmm. Ooh, I would say like the type of work I do is maybe like a modern renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Cause I do add a lot of history in there, but yeah, very dramatic. More towards, I would say, Baroque. Modern Baroque. When do you know work is finished? It's a rhythm. So the rhythm stops. That's when I know it's done. And when I, what I mean by this is I have a certain concept in mind, a message I want to get across in the painting, and I'll paint. And there's times where I want to be done, but it's like, nope, you're missing something. I don't know quite what it is. I don't know if I need to do another layer. I don't know if I need to add something. It just doesn't hit right. It's like a, a note that isn't right. And so I sit there and I'll get back to it maybe a day later, a week later, and I'll figure it out. And I'll look at the painting in whole and I, I don't feel like this interrupted feeling. 
it's there's a flow in the painting. And when I feel that flow, even though I think I could have done something better, um, which I always do, I try to quiet that voice and just look at it and be like, okay, this is ready to leave me. It says everything I need to say besides me trying to nitpick on it. And it needs to, to you know, fly on its own. And <laughs> when, when do the titles of the work enter the creative process? So I begin with the title. Oh. Um, sometimes I don't, but sometimes I'm like, all right, because the title, it could be very um, descriptive because I never want to lose sight of why I started the painting in the first place. And so it starts off with this is what I want. And then how it ends up is a different story. <laughs> That's when I start changing it, changing the title. Are there concepts or themes that connect your work? Yes. So there is one central root that all my work grows from and branches off from. And it's from my cultural background. So it's stemming from these Orishas, these African gods that have always been there since the day I was born through my grandparents. Interesting. Do you listen to music while you're working? I do. And it varies. While I'm working, depending on where I'm at at a painting, my ears are, are very uh, eclectic. So it could go from meditation music to when I'm thinking, creating concepts. It can go to classical, usually when I'm detailing. And then when I'm doing something like beads or like a something that is, I don't have to really give it much thought, but it's going to take a lot of time. I'll do more modern music. <laughs> and I never quite listened to jazz for some reason. My mother used to always listen to jazz. Jazz is one thing that it takes up a lot of space in my mind in a sense where I can't think of anything else but the music. So the others, it's like, oh, okay, it's, I know some of these songs, I, you know, sing the words, but it has a very busy sound where it's its own piece of artwork. Um, I believe that's <laughs> that I can't do anything else with. Yeah, it sounds like you really get absorbed into jazz. Absolutely. <laughs> so what materials do you use and what's the process of choosing color? So I've independently studied um, a lot of the Renaissance um, materials and techniques. That's my basis. I find that even though it's time consuming, it's worth it the hand mixed paints, the egg tempera, the hand mixed egg tempera, all those th all those things make a painting, I believe, have this rich texture and color. However, I'm always an advocate for taking something and adding your own individual stamp to it and techniques, something that, that makes you, you, makes you identifiable as an artist. And I like to call this like, you know, your artist DNA, aesthetic mm -hmm. DNA. And I have incorporated a lot of iron oxide. And the reason mean is because rust, the look of it, it reminds me of the soil, the red soil on the ground from which all these stories have rooted up from. And what started off as textured you texturing the paintings became now incorporated into it and now has its own meaning and symbology. So that's the first thing. The second is developing my own palette of working with a darker skin tone. When I look at these Renaissance works, 
I try to step back and look at what makes them so beautiful. It's definitely the color palette. You always have this rich, dark background, and then you have this skin that glows and it's see-through and you can see the veins and it's like the, it's the skills. It's the, and it's almost, it's like, they're so pale. It has a glowy ghost-like look to it. And it's very beautiful, the contrast. So I look at this and then I see how they create the background in order for the skin to pop out. And I can't follow that same formula not with darker skin because they'll just be blended into the background. I wanted to find a way where this skin, no matter what undertone it possesses, can really stick out beyond the background. And first I've gone from, you know, putting a a gold, gold color in the back. I love using gold in the background. Um, but also I do like really incorporating Caravaggio's um, contrasting. And if you look at dark skin or brown skin, it's not just a single color. It's not just a, a brown or in artist terms, a burnt umber or something. It's, it's not void of color like the Renaissance work, but it's actually encompasses all the colors. So in taking this thought of incorporating all the colors, that's what I use. I literally almost use all the colors. I use blues, I use reds, and I do it in thin layers, thin layers. And depending on where the light hits the face or the body part, that's a different color than how the shadows are. And so by incorporating all the colors in brown skin, it illuminates off the canvas. I find that it illuminates off the canvas. It certainly is beautiful. And I agree with that. Do you feel black art can be defined? Hmm. I think art, black art, is art, all art. I think as a society, we always choose to want to categorize in order to simplify, but you can't simplify the African diaspora, especially when it encompasses all different kinds of cultural backgrounds. You can't just lump sum it up into black art because then what are we doing? Are we going back to the one drop theory in the sense of if you're creating work and you're part black and this is black art, um, even though you have many other things that encompass it, I believe it's a different perspective and all perspectives are true perspectives. And so what I like to say is my art is not black art, it's art. And because do we really categorize white art? We never say, oh, this is white art. I mean, we probably do amongst our friends <laughs> talking, you know, to an intimate group. Uh, however, museums are like, this is art. I never hear anything different. It's always if we have African artists or so forth or black art, um, it's American black art. It's, it's just art <laughs> to me. <laughs> so can it be defined? No. <laughs> When you're creating, do you think about who your audience is? No. If I do, I feel like I will start to cater to that particular audience. Because it's, it's no different than thinking about, oh, collectors. These collectors really like to purchase this type of work. So I'm going to, to start creating that type of work. I really honestly try not to think because I don't want to paint 
for others. I'm painting for myself that happen to relate to others because I find that others connect and have a need for these stories that haven't been mainstreamed, talked about, studied. So when I paint, I do not think about the audience. I think about what I would like to see or would have liked to see growing up. Love that. What is it that you're excited about right now? Mm, I'm excited for my traveling exhibition. <laughs> Very excited about that. It's amazing that people want to show it. Institutions specifically want to find a need for this and want to exhibit it. It's five years in the making. So I'm very excited about this as well as um, my mind never sleeps. So as this on, as this is on exhibition, <laughs> I am still working on my next exhibition or next collection of works. And um, it's so funny because when I, when I, for the current exhibition, when I completed it, I really had no idea for sure what I was going to paint next. And then when it happened, it was like, oh, I get to have a little break and kind of regather and and do some research. And it's almost like I'm being fed something in the sense where it's like, all right, I'm not going to give you too much, but you're going to you're going to do this for right now. All right. And then once this is complete, I got something else for you waiting. And it's something that I feel like is bigger. I feel like I'm constantly getting bigger, not bigger in the scale of things, but bigger in the narrative, more in depth um, and explaining it. And yeah, I'm so right now I'm diving into transformations, which is the title right now. And during this exhibition's current exhibition in Atlanta, I am revealing one of the first paintings for this next exhibition. <laughs> How has your practice changed over the years? It's grown in so many different ways. So when I first started, I was painting everything my mother painted and I had no individual thought. And that continued on actually for a bit. I did a lot of portraiture and, and things. And then it, then I was like, well, I'm going to do children's books too, <laughs> because being a, an artist, you know, I did believe that it was never going to happen. So I still doodled very much in a Renaissance style, but I also did more like children's book, but these children's book illustrations were very detailed. So they're almost like what I do currently. However, it had all the elements of the shadows and everything like that, but it still was very, um, children's book. I mean, that's the best way I could explain it. <laughs> but it didn't make me happy. I just did this because following my mother's footsteps. And that I felt like, it's like I created it and there was no continuation of thought after that. It was no, there was nothing linking me to a central idea. It was, I felt like I was just producing to produce. <laughs> so during that time, I was also um, what I call like lost myself. I didn't know, I still wasn't connected to who I was or any of that. I was still trying to ride any kind of wave. <laughs> and 
again, when you feel like things are at a standstill, it's, it's, you're doing, you're not doing something quite right. So I was like, all right, Harmony, <laughs> this is, this is, um, you gotta really reevaluate yourself. So it didn't quite happen until I took my daughter as she, when she became, you know, more, I would say more aware of like what she's looking at and is able to um, talk to me um, and communicate with me if she likes something or not. I, I took her to the Art Institute of Chicago. And this used to be my playground when I was younger. You know, while all these other kids were into uh, cartoons and stuff and playgrounds. And, and I was definitely like, mom, take me to the art museum. <laughs> and I took her expecting her to be enthused, to be so excited and to like get that energized feeling of like, Oh my, I'm showing my daughter something that she's going to like love. And I got my feelings hurt because <laughs> she, it felt flat. It felt completely flat. She, she, I was like, I was trying to show her all my favorite ones. Like this, this is great. You know, she's, mm, you know, I'm like, all right, all right, Madison. Why, why don't you like this? Like explain to me, like, this is this beautiful. And she goes, mm. you know, they, they, they don't look like me. I was like, what? Like, you know, they, they don't look like you. And I really looked again. Like, I, and I remember that moment. I looked at her face because I'm talking to her. We're still there. And I look back up at this painting. I forgot exactly which painting it was. But I saw it differently. It was like, when I was younger, I'm, I'm lighter skin. I have, you know, kinky hair. But I could, if I straightened my hair... I could kind of look like the women a little bit, you know, but from my daughter's eyes, darker skin, who wears her hair natural and loves it. It was like I was looking at this painting through innocent eyes. So, you know, growing up with different concepts of beauty and accepting those, it was like that was all erased. And I began looking at all the ones that I used to really like. And it's just changed for me. And I could tell you, I I haven't gone to the museums, that museum <laughs> in a very long time because it's not as exciting to me. So I was like, Madison, you know what? You know this one right here? Like, let me explain to you about Greek mythology, the stories. You know that there is also black goddesses, goddesses that look just like you. And I'm, I'm great at orally telling her these stories, but I knew she had to visually see it. And I painted it and I painted it for her. Oh, and she loved seeing this. And so much that I was like, I'm gonna paint another one. Like, cause I, I would try to look up all, you know, Google and everything and there's no images, no images, no, no tellings of these stories. And, and so it was just like, all right, I'm gonna do this for you. And I began doing this for my daughter, which surprisingly, while teaching my daughter, I taught myself. I began reconnecting with my cultural background. I began accepting my name as Armonia Rosales, even because I was being called like, oh, Harmony, just Harmony, because you can't pronounce my name. And trying to fit myself into uh, one, one category. And I really, we both learned together. And 
it was just such a, a beautiful bonding thing. And then it, that grew to now diving deeper. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed our conversation. So I have one more question. Yes. What do you feel is the purpose of art and what is your role? The purpose of art is to create change, to stir up the question, to make us question, I believe, why? To take us back to our childhood, to take us back, to make it okay to ask why and see different perspectives and know that these perspectives, all perspectives are right perspectives, correct perspectives. They all have truths in them. And by being open to visually taking in everyone's perspective and visual depictions is literally encompassing a master narrative within self. So us as an artist, we have the duty to empower and change because visual art can connect. It's that it doesn't have a language barrier. It can connect us all as a society and show us different perspectives and to stir up the question why. Well, thank you. It's, it's been great. I've enjoyed our conversation very much. I did too. The, the 40 minutes went by quick. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. It always does. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to sharing this episode online and keeping people abreast of uh, the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Phyllis. I enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.